Now, every year, uh, which we started this last year, we have a month called Legacy, which means, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, Legacy means something that is passed on to the next generation with your time, talents, and treasures. In other words, it's, it's your life. Four weeks ago, we started this series in John 13 and talked about uh, being all in, Jesus being all in as the ultimate servant when he picked up a towel and washed the disciples' feet, and then he said to them, now you do the same for each other. The second week, Pastor Jess did a masterful job, I thought, speaking on uh, all in with living generously. And then uh, the third week, Pastor Jimmy did another masterful job on speaking on all in as Jesus did. And then last week, we listened to those testimonies and their legacy. And today is exciting because this is when we actually give our legacy offering that we have been preparing for over the last four weeks. So let me just say this. If you're new here today, it's your first time here, we're not here to solicit you or coerce you to give, but hopefully you've been praying if this is your home over the last four weeks. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to give individually or as a family to what God wants us to do? And this is what you're gonna be giving your money to. Uh, We should have a slide up here of the end of the building. Here you go. And uh, the rooms you see on your left be on the right down there. Those are two classrooms that will be remodeled, and that will be for our our Harbor City uh, youth and for our college age and beyond will be uh, a room for each of them. And then on the right-hand side, I think, I may be wrong, but I think that's what we're looking at. There's a room there that will be remodeled for uh, special needs. Those that have sensory auditory issues uh, will be there in that room and it'll be soundproof. It'll have uh, padding on the walls. It's a special room for me. That's what it is. <laughs> so, but it'll be great. And I, I'm so excited that we're going to reach uh, these kids and hope these parents that are going through difficult times and know that we are in their court and with them in that area. Then also, the offering that you give today uh, is also for our city kids and our community for Christmas. So I want to encourage you to give and uh, give what God put on your heart to give this morning. You can do that through PushPay or through uh, on our website, or you can do it in the generosity boxes, uh, which are back around the building here. All right? Now, today we want to finish up uh, in John chapter 12 and share a story about a woman who's all in uh, with extravagant worship. And this lady was such an extravagant worshiper that uh, her legacy lives on today. So on your notes, here's the definition of extravagant. It means to give more than is necessary to go way beyond what is expected. So let me, let me just say that again. Extravagant worship is to give more than is necessary to go way beyond what is expected. And that's with your time, your talent, and your treasure. All right? Now, this kind of worship represents your life and your love for Jesus and all he's done for you. How many know he's done a lot for you? All right? Now, this person did something way beyond the norm, and uh, it's because Jesus changed her heart, and it affected Jesus' heart the way she gave her worship. So I, I just want you to know everything we experience here 
uh, is because somebody gave out of their time, their talents, and their treasures extravagantly. This building that you're in, the sound equipment, our city kids' rooms, our coffee ministry, our countertops, some of the bricks that you see built up around here, our front entrance, the parking lot, our roof, our bathrooms, the new gates, this new floor is all because of sacrificial, extravagant giving and hearts that love Jesus more than the things. So how many appreciate the chair that you're sitting in this morning? It's because somebody gave, yeah. That's come on, let's give the Lord an applause, a big applause. Now, just so you know, the church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, is different than any other institution. We're not like our government who takes money out of your paycheck, which is called taxation with representation. You need to remember this nation was started because there was taxation without representation. Look what representation has done for us. <laughs> okay, that, nobody's cheering on that one. All right. All right, let's lift over Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive, and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith I can do all it says I can do, I can be, all it says I can be, and I can have, all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, let's look at this amazing story in John chapter 12 beginning in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound, 16 ounces of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to uh, what uh, what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. It's the only time Jesus really rebuked Judas. For the poor, <clears throat> you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So this uh, story illustrates through two characters, Mary being one and Judas being the other, two kinds of spirits that can control our lives. This is not on your notes, but you might want to write it down. The first one is a spirit of generosity, which means liberal in giving with all you have. It also means a readiness to meet a need. So generous people 
are big-minded, they think big, and they believe their God is big-minded and thinks big. Our God is a generous God. And if you want to remember who God is, just remember the G in God stands for generous. Now, the second spirit that can control people is a spirit of greed or selfishness. And if you want to remember who Satan is, just remember the S in Satan can stand for selfishness or stinginess, which means a person who is reluctant to give to anyone or anything besides oneself. So the nature of Satan is selfishness, but the nature of our God is generosity. This story tells us about a woman who gave Jesus one of the most extravagant gifts given not only in the four Gospels, but the entire New Testament. This story is told in all four Gospels, but in different details. But this story that we just read tells us that this perfume was worth one year's wages. Now think about that for a moment. The average household in Grace Harbor in 2021 was $56,000. And Grace Harbor has gone up because of inflation, uh, but it goes up to, uh, in 2023, the average household will make $65,000. So this woman gave everything she made in one year. And she took this expensive perfume, broke open the jar, and she poured it out on the body of Jesus Christ and then left the rest on the floor. It definitely was the most lavish gift given in the New Testament. So in this story, we need to talk about Judas. It's uh, no one likes to talk about Judas. I've never heard of a pastor say, by the way, next week I'm going to do a sermon on Judas. You can't wait to get it. It's going to be a barn burner. You want to be here. So no, nobody wants to talk about Judas because we don't want to be likened like him. And so we just kind of ignore him. But the truth is we can learn a lot from him. Here's the number one thing you can learn from Judas and write it down. Others' generosity will expose our greed. In the story, Judas is appalled that Mary would pour out that expensive perfume on Jesus. And it tells us he was bothered because he was the money keeper and didn't care about the poor at all. He was upset because he couldn't get his hands on what it was worth. The word greed in the Bible and in the New Testament is often translated covetousness, which means to want something someone else has. It also means to keep back or hold back something that should be given to another or shared with another, but is kept for yourself. And that's the picture uh, that Judas has. And by the way, being a giver should be contagious. It should just affect everybody's life the way your generosity touches them. So we, our picture of Judas, though, is just the opposite of that. Let me give you some things he experienced that should have changed his character. Number one, and this, there's a little space there. It's not on your notes, but you can write it down that little space, whatever you feel like comes to your heart. He attended the University of Jesus Christ. He, he, he learned from Jesus every day. He became a disciple. He became the accountant for Jesus' ministry. He observed every uh, one of Jesus' miracles. He observed Jesus raising the dead. He observed lepers being healed, which would be like seeing someone healed of cancer. He observed the blind receiving sight. 
he was there when Peter got the money from a fish's mouth to pay taxes. So don't worry about your taxes. Jesus will help you. All right. I'd like to see him send me a few more fish, but anyway. He heard every sermon Jesus ever, ever preached, and yet, although he received an overabundance of information, it didn't bring a transformation in his life. Now, we, before we criticize Judas too much, I think many of us can relate to him in many ways. As a pastor, I've heard all the reasons over the years that people give excuses for not giving to a church. They'll say things like this. All they want is my money. I just want to stand before you today. We don't need your money. Well, I shouldn't say we don't need your money. We don't want your money. We want your heart. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus wants. So they'll say things, all they want is my money. Uh, just, Just to throw out there, we haven't taken a physical offering in this building in three years. And since COVID, we have not been passing the plate. We did over at Aberdeen High School because there were no generosity boxes. We are not out to get your money. We're out to get your heart. So we don't take a physical offering here. There's generosity boxes all around this place. But here's what we believe. We believe you have such a generous heart. You don't have to be coerced to give your money. All right? All right. Now, I've heard people say this. I don't know what they're going to do with my money once I give it. Well, if you're giving it and you still want to control it, you didn't give it. You're going to have to trust who God put in charge. It is inconvenient. Don't they know I don't have much money? Folks, if you live in Grace Harbor, there are very few people that have too much money. So we know you don't have too much money. But that doesn't give us an excuse not to give. I know the Bible says, I've heard people say this, I know the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. But in my life, I'd like to receive more than I give. Ouch. And then I've had people say to me, I believe tithing isn't biblical. So let me just say this. Tithing is biblical. Just read Matthew 23, 23. He said, it is, Jesus said this. It is good to tithe. And many other examples in scripture. But truthfully, God doesn't need your money. It should be given out of love for God. But do you know who wants your money? The government. (laughs) The average American, get this, I did some research on this. The average American will make $2 million in his or her lifetime. And guess what percentage your government will take from you without asking you? And yet, I never hear anyone say, all they want is my money. But they do, okay? We live in the fourth highest tax state in the nation. Number one is New Jersey, right next to New York. They pay 66% of their money goes to taxes. But go down to Washington, we make the average household in a lifetime $1,838,977. Out of that, you will pay $778,000 thousand four hundred and sixteen dollars which is forty two point three three percent of your income the average Washingtonian will pay that out and then say nothing that's all I got left and by the way this does not include your property tax if you own a house 
all right? And who knows if Social Security will be there in 10 to 20 years. It's still there for me, though. I got my first Social Security check. <laughs> Woohoo! And guess what? The first thing they did was took out my Medicare. <laughs> there you go. All right, now, so why not sow into something that is eternal, something that will last forever? That's just a thought, okay? Our God is a generous God, and he asked for 10% just so we can be reminded of it, reminded that he gave it all to us in the first place, all right? And then he said, you get to keep the 90%, and you can do with it whatever you want to. And may I say this? Most believers never get to the tithing stage. There were $5.2 trillion that evangelical Christians made in the last year and guess how much money was given? Under uh, just a little over 1% where it was given. So it should have been like 500 and some billion, but it was 1.2%. Now, let me just say this. Besides tithing, there's another kind of giving in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. It's called free will offerings. Free will offerings are given by how the Holy Spirit impresses you to give. So you'll say, you know what? We have some money we need to give. That may, or I want to give. And the Holy Spirit will impress on you to, when you're sitting in a restaurant and you hear the Holy Spirit say, give that waiter or waitress $100. And so what I do is I reach in my pocket and I see there's not $100 there. So I say to Lois, Lois, do you have $100? <laughs> Just kidding. Sometimes it's a holy handshake. And you reach out and you shake someone's hand and you give them a five, ten, fifty dollar bill. And and then there's a third kind of giving that's called extravagant offerings, which I mentioned earlier, and this is when you go way above and beyond what is asked, but it's still voluntary. And there are all sorts of examples in scripture about extravagant worshipers. All right? Let me give you a few. David was an extravagant worshiper. Uh, David, when Solomon built the temple, uh, it was because David provided for him. Did you know, equivalent to today's money, David left his son $21 billion to build the temple with. And so all those materials that Solomon built with were because of his dad. Solomon was another extravagant giver. Uh, when uh, he got anointed as king, he was required to sacrifice one bull to the Lord. Guess what he gave? He gave 1,000 choice bulls to the Lord. That's extravagant worship. And that night, because it wasn't required, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe God would have visited him anyway, but all I know is God appeared into his bedroom that night, gave him a dream, and said, ask me for anything you want. And Solomon said, I just want wisdom. I don't even know how to come in and how to go out to lead these people. And God said, guess what? I'll give you wisdom and riches. There's another person in the Bible, an extravagant worshiper. In Luke 21, verse 2, she's a widow woman. And guess what? She gave two mites or two pennies because she gave all that she had. See, sometimes we think we got to give. It's about the amount. It's not about the amount. For this lady, it was an extravagant worshipful gift. The story tells us Jesus was watching 
as the people gave. And Jesus makes this statement about the woman. So imagine all these people are coming up, putting their money in. Jesus is watching all of it. And he sees that woman come up. And then he said this, she gave a greater gift than all the others because she gave everything she had. That's extravagant worship. There's one more that I'd like to share with you, and that person's name's Abraham. Abraham laid his son Isaac, his only son, on an altar, raised a knife to take him and sacrifice him before God, and God stopped him, and, he's, and, and God basically said this. I'm paraphrasing, but he said this. Now I know I can trust you. Now I know you will obey me. Now I know that stuff doesn't own you. Now I know that I mean more to you than anything I've ever given you. That is extravagant worship. I want to be an extravagant worshiper, don't you? Okay, now, why was Mary such an extravagant worshiper? To understand Mary in this story, you have to, and understand her giving, you have to go back one chapter to John 11. I don't have time to read it today, but you'll find there, Lazarus had died. He had been dead four days. And in this chapter, Jesus goes to the tomb uh, and has them remove the stone. And as he's standing there before this tomb, Jesus says in one translation with a loud voice, another translation says, he shouted and he said, Lazarus, come out. Now, if you don't know this, Lazarus was Mary and Martha's brother. So the, the, the dead guy that's been in the grave four days Jesus comes along, raises him from the dead, and when we come to John 12, a month later, Jesus and the disciples are eating this amazing dinner with that Martha prepared, and he's eating with the dead man whom he had raised from the dead. I want you to picture this with me. So Mary, as they're eating at this table, she sits down. Lazarus is there, Jesus is there, the disciples all around. Martha's coming in and serving everybody. And as she's sitting there, she looks. There's my brother. He was dead last month. There's my sister who's loving serving at this dinner. There's all these disciples whom I love. And there's Jesus. She gets up and says this, I can't sit here any longer. I love this God so much. I'm going to go get the most precious thing I have. And she gets it. She cracks it open. I don't know what it looked like. It was an alabaster jar. She takes out this jar. I found some perfume online that was 3,500 bucks an ounce. That's what this is today. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I paid $65. I couldn't afford the 3500 But what I'm saying is she gets this, and she brings it to Jesus' feet. She begins to pour it out. I got in trouble in the first service that I poured out too much perfume. So I'm just going to give it one shot, okay? And I'm telling you, it's amazing. So my point is this. 
that she's so overwhelmed with gratefulness for what God has done in her life. She said, I've got to show my appreciation. And she runs and she gets him. So you can write this down. A generous heart always comes from a grateful heart. She was so grateful Jesus had raised up her brother. And as she looks around the dinner table, sees him, her sister, and all the disciples, she turned that dinner into a Thanksgiving dinner. While they're eating their Kentucky Fried Chicken, she's crying over Jesus' feet. She turns that thing into the most amazing, amazing atmosphere, so much so that the fragrance of the room changed. Now you should write this down. We should have the same gratitude. And here's why. We forget this. But it tells us in Ephesians 2, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our, of our sins, he gave us life when he raised God or raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say this. I want to say it this way. Every week when you come to church, if your kids have given their life to Christ, that ought to make you want to get the most expensive thing in your life. Every week, you ought to, my, my kids came, I, I came to know the Lord through a city kids ministry. Maybe your spouse has come to know the Lord through the ministries in this church. Maybe you've seen miracles in this church. Uh, uh, Lori Woodward came up to me first service and told me last night she was in a meeting and her hearing was healed. I'm telling you, or I, Lori Snyder, I mean, not Woodward. Anyway, the point is, we, we've all seen miracles and it should be so exciting in your life when your children, when your spouses, when your kids, all because someone poured out extravagant worship and it changed this whole place, changed the atmosphere, and that's why we have. Now, let me just say one last thing, and then we'll be done. And that's this, this thing that blows me away. Jesus, in six days, was gonna, was gonna go on the cross. And Judas tries to stop her, and that's what some people, why would you give, by the way, do you know Lois and I got called by the IRS to be audited three different times in our life for giving too much money to the church? We were poor, and they couldn't understand how we could do it, and literally, we couldn't either, but anyway, it worked. And the point is this, Judas tries to stop her, but she can't stop because she's so (laughs) grateful for what he did. And as she does that, Jesus said, let her alone. Do you know why? Because he's going to the cross. Six days later, it's on the Sabbath. They take him down from the cross. They don't have time to do the normal anointing of oil and all the spices. They wrap him up and they put him in the tomb. Mary did it all ahead of time. I want you to hear this. They used oil and nard and all that kind of stuff to prepare a body to keep it from smelling bad, but also those who believed in the resurrection anointed that this, this uh, that she used. It's made from, it's called an essential oil. And he, she anointed his feet so that he could rise from the dead. I just want you to hear this. So you should be grateful because every time 
someone comes to know Christ, it's because Mary anointed his feet so he could rise from the dead. When they came, I, I can tell you this, they came to anoint him with oil and spices, but it wasn't needed because Jesus had already raised from the dead because Mary took care of it ahead of time. That should just like, come on, Lord, you're so awesome. So we should have the same, same attitude now. So what's our legacy going to be? As we close this morning, I want you to hear this. Over the last three years, like I said, we stopped taking physical offerings. We now have these generosity boxes on the wall. We also give online. And we know you want to know what we've discovered? You are the most generous people I've ever met in my life. You guys keep giving. Our church has not lacked once in the last three years. And if anything, we've had enough to do more and more and more. Thank you, church, for your generosity. Now, we've learned that God blesses lives when you become generous. I'm not here to get your money today. I don't want you to miss out on the blessing of being a generous person. There's nothing like it. I've seen it over and over again in my life. Lois and I have said, we want to give more. We've been praying, God, what do you want us to give? And I want you to do the same. So today, we're going to end with some extravagant worship. You can take out envelopes. You can get online. And as we close in worship, just do what the Holy Spirit's asked you to do. And nothing more. Let's stand. Now, what I want to do is I, I want to invite you to the altar with me. I'm going to stand right down here. And I'm going to say, Lord... Thank you. Thank you my kids got saved in this church. Thank you that, that my, my, my parents used to come here and sit right there and, and cheer me on. My mom called every Monday. Thank you, God, for our grandkids that are serving God. All because she had no idea the effect she was having on the body of Christ. And you have no idea the effect that your gifts have on the body of Christ, all right? Let's worship. Let's do some extravagant worship together.